Hello and welcome to U2B. Ah. It's the Huddersfield Town podcast that I almost forgot to commit to the name of there, but pulled it back at the last second. Uh, I'm Stephen Chicken and I'm joined this week by Ollie Fisher and David Hartrick. Hello to you both. Hello, I'm just going to apologise for my neighbour's carpet fitting next door if you hear it in the background. Is that a euphemism? No, sadly not, no. Yeah, well, uh, Town have very much had the rug pulled out from under them recently, haven't they? Wee. Ah, see what you did there. <laughs> see what you did there. Um, yeah, I mean, that, that's probably as good a segue, a segue as any other. Um, yeah, they have had the rug pulled out from under them, so we had the long trip to Cardiff on Wednesday uh, under caretaker manager Mark Hudson, and once again, another Town defeat, uh, another... Late goal gone against them. Go to you, first of all, Ollie. What did you make of the performance? Well, interestingly, this is the first game in three years that I've been able to say that I wasn't actually at. Um, I've been to like 100 <laughs> nod in a row. And, you know, we've had our ups and downs in that period, but finally it got too much um, and I didn't go on Wednesday night. Uh, but I did actually watch it, thanks to, um, thanks to the red button facility that Sky have so generously laid on. Um, <laughs> I, I thought it was... I thought it was an interesting game and I thought it was played in kind of 20-minute spells um, <clears throat> where the teams kind of alternated dictating possession um, and, and generally sort of being on top. Um, I think we started the game shaky, but that was perhaps to be expected. Um, we, we grew into it a little bit and we, we had our 10 minutes just as we did in that QPR game and just as we have done in the other games so far this season, but without really creating too much. Um, and then Cardiff came came back into it towards the end of the first half. They scored the one goal, but in reality could have had could have had two or three. Uh, they were very wasteful uh, altogether in the game, to be honest. But um, we came back out second half playing really really well. We looked a lot more confident on the ball. We looked like um, we had more of a shape. I think Hudson had clearly clearly said something at half time and changed changed up um, the way that he wanted the midfield to operate in particular. And we got ourselves level through what I thought was a bit of a freak goal, really. I saw Chalaber kind of off-balance fire that shot towards the bottom corner and I thought he did the side netting at first, um, but, but yeah. saw it ripple the back of the net. It was one of those where in the press box everyone went, oh, it's a goal. Yeah. <laughs> like everyone was just like, yeah. oh, right, okay. I think the fans, I think the fans of, our fans over in the corner were a bit shocked as well to see an actual goal hit the back of the net because <laughs> even Carlin Grants from Open Play this season didn't hit the back of the net. Um, had to go to goal line technology. But yeah, uh, so we got back into it through that and then we started pushing forward and I started to think, you know what, you know, I like what I see here. We're, we're, um, we're being intelligent. The press sort of came back. I thought we were putting them under pressure. The home crowd started to get a little bit edgy, a little bit anxious. You started to hear the groans when they gave the ball away. Uh, but then, as as has happened um, three times so far this season, legs went. The legs went. Um, and last 10, 15 minutes, they were well on top. And they got what, you know, upon reflection, you look at the match stats, they had 24 shots to hour seven. They had double the shots on target, eight corners to two. However you want to look at it, you know, the stats don't lie. Um, they got what was probably a deserved winner. Um, and it's just one of those things you can look at it as unlucky because the way that the goal came through substitute Hoylet, you know, he was given just a couple of yards there to get his shot off, but it deflects... Um, deflects off Elphick's knee and into the top corner in a place where Grabar is just not going to get to it. And when you looks out, you looks out, those go in. They find the back of the net. Um, so it was disappointing, obviously, to be leaving South Wales with another defeat under our belt and to be now very firmly inside the bottom three, you know, with two points adrift now. Um, 
yeah, some positives, but the the same mistakes and the, the same sort of very crippling lack of execution, um, discipline, and I think above all confidence kind of kind of cost us in the end. Um, and we're now just hoping that we we hire Houdini or something to turn the ship <laughs> around because we've got a very damaged group of players, and I think that. You know, any manager worth their salt is going to be looking at this job now, thinking, I don't want to go anywhere near that. Um, but yeah, we'll see. Um, obviously, Reading now on Saturday becomes a massive six-pointer. So yeah, not not a great evening on Tuesday night again. Uh, Wednesday night, sorry. David, do you think that fitness might be an issue for this team? Because that's three games in a row now that Town have conceded a goal in the 80th minute or later. Yes. <laughs> cool. I, I think the, you can look at you can look at running stats and various other things, um, but you know tired players will still keep running, etc. But to to lose three late goals as they have, it's it's a tiredness of the mind as well as the legs, um, and you could see. Uh, the, the red button coverage is weird because you have one camera, no replays, um, and you don't get any of the sort of usual extra angles you're used to. So when that second goal went in, it just stayed focused on Schindler and Elphick, who were both down on their knees, and then it flicked up to midfield eventually for the kickoff. And the reaction from the town players was just, they were they were absolutely out on their bums, to be honest with you. There were a couple of them just flat out on the turf. And, you know, they, they rallied and Grant, it, it was a sharp chance that in the ninety third minute, um, but that's one of them chances that when things are good and you're creating a lot, you know your striker bangs that in because he's you know he's red hot and he doesn't feel like every shot he takes is his potentially his only one in the game. Um, but yeah, I I do it. It just it feels like every game I've seen Town this season, um, which remarkably is all of them. <laughs> Um, on the hour, there are a couple of players, as a minimum, who are visibly breathing hard. And one of the things that Jan could be criticised for quite heavily was his, his substitutions. Often, you'd, you'd have players who you, you could see were struggling, and he'd, he wouldn't sub them off. He'd sub someone else off. His, his substitutions were all over the place. Um, and it, it's something Hudson's got to work on, because... You know, un- under Wagner, one of the great sort of dictums was that the player, w- the players were super fit, and they pressed, and they harried, and they worked hard, and that was that was a minimum requirement. And you know, I de- unfit is a very strong word because compared to the likes of me and you, Stephen, these players are very, very fit, aren't they? Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. But you've got to be able to run and keep going and be mentally sharp for the whole 90 minutes, and I just don't think Town are there yet. But without wishing to make excuses or destroy my own argument or anything like that, I do feel part of that is losing. You know, if you are, if you are winning, if you win two or three on the bounce, then suddenly you've got an extra 10% in your legs. It's it's mm. just it's human nature almost, isn't it? Yeah, I think motivation is as much a part of it. Well, not motivation, but as you say, confidence is as much a part of it as 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 the the fatigue in the legs. You know, it's the extra yard that's in the head, and a part of it is as I've written about in, in the five conclusions, just to steal a point that that Hartrick's made on the the podcast before. Um, part of the problem is that the the players are starting 
well. There's, and at the start of each half, you can see there are players making runs into the box. Chalaba was getting forward even. Hoggy was making runs. Um, Pritchard at the, in the first half, sort of the first 25 minutes at least, was practically a strike partner for Carlin Grant. He was that close to him, which is what we kind of expected he would do. Um, and then as the game wore on, they were getting deeper and deeper and deeper. And part of that is... Um, it's it's fitness, it's confidence, and it's tactical as well. It's the fact yeah. that Hadjani is leaving that gap at right back. Elphick's going across to cover. Hoggy's then going back into the back four to try and sort of plug those gaps, which means Pritchard's coming back into the to to fill in for Hogg's role. And suddenly we're back to where we were before, which is you've got t- ten players in Town's own third no out ball and when they do get the ball there's nothing on for them um and it, it was no as i say it was notable and i'm pretty sure that hudson had instructed them that he didn't want to see that and he wanted to have more options up front but as the game went on they just regressed back into those those old bad habits and and eventually it's, it's cost them unfortunately so many times it looked as if mbenza was almost playing right back yeah. and he looked really frustrated I would say his body language was that of frustration, as if to say it's meant to be me up there, not Flo. And I mean, to be yeah. honest, I think Flo's got a better, probably got a better delivery on him. Um, but, you know, and Benz is a winger at the end of the day. He should be the one up there. And it must be incredibly frustrating, as you mentioned, for Elphick as well. Um, it was really interesting to see the see the, the heat maps in that, in that five conclusions piece, um, just to see how... Elphick is actually getting dragged over and then as soon as you've got one player who's being dragged even slightly out of position on a consistent basis, it just skews the whole system that you're trying to play. Um, and, you know, that that's exactly what we saw and what we have seen this season. I don't know what the quick fix to that is, to be honest, because the back four at the moment, even though it was the one thing that we were relatively confident about going into this season, given the quality that we've got in there, it certainly doesn't pick itself Um you know, you, you drop Hadajinai for someone more... Well, we've we've already offloaded Tommy Smith, who you could consider as perhaps a bit more, you know, responsible in a positional sense. Um, seems to be insistent on playing Congolo at left-back, which I really don't like because he gives the ball away far too much. Um, yeah, and he it, doesn't show anything a, a going forward. A third of his passes have gone astray this season. Yeah, um, he gave the ball away a couple of times on Wednesday night in, in very dangerous positions. And the problem is when he's playing those passes in field in towards the central midfielders, if they get nabbed, they're instantly, you know, bombing up the other end. Yeah. Um, because, you know, they're picking it up on the halfway line or even closer to our goal. So, you know, that needs to stop. But then you've got Elphick and, and Schindler. And I agree to an extent with what you said, Stephen, about Elphick. Now he now the the criticism that he's getting is is almost unnecessary in my opinion. You can see that he's almost got a thankless task playing in that in that right centre back position because he's getting dragged over so much. And then you've got Schindler who's basically covering two positions, um, which he he could do in that first promotion season um, <laughs> because he was literally Superman. Uh, but yeah, and then you've got Hogg who's been dragged deeper, and I don't know. It, it just seemed like um, all these. All these um, pre-assumptions that we would, you know, just go back to having a nice four-two-three-one structure under Hudson, and I know he's only had a few days to work with the team, possibly only a couple of training sessions. Really, that those were out of the window, and we started to see the same old problems again. But he's not going to work miracles in a couple of days, and 
not even sure that he's going to be the, the option uh, long-term for the club. In fact, I'm fairly sure he won't be. So shouldn't read perhaps too much into that. It's it's more worrying that the same individual errors are still there um, because this is a squad that is full of lapses in concentration and, and those can cost you games. And that's exactly what happened. I mean, we, we were getting pushed so deep there in t- towards the last five minutes that it was just inevitable uh, that they were going to score. I thought Warnock... Um, Warnock made some very wise substitutions. He saw that our left yeah. side was there to be exploited with a with a fresh pair of legs. And Hoylet comes on and we know he's got an eye for goal. And like I say, we just gave him that little bit of space and there we are once again coming away with zero points. Um so yeah, there's there's the same issues kept cropping up. It's a it's a problem that David Wagner tried to solve by going three at the back because the way it's set up at the moment, it ends up being almost a three at the back anyway, as we've discussed. Um <sighs> I mean, I wonder if if that might be worth examining again. Uh, what would you think, Dave? I well, I think it's worth examining again, but I I'm not sure if four two three one is the way forward. Really, it it felt like Hudson wanted to go back, and he was trying to sort of recapture something from Town's recent past. Mm. And I think this is a set of players that actually need something new need a new set of instructions um it it just felt like my problem with 4-2-3-1 is that it's it's obviously quite a containing formation but the problem is with the way town play it hog becomes an issue because he plays so deep and and basically splits the center backs that he drags the other midfielder back and suddenly you've got that huge gap in the center that either the opposition exploit or if Town do find a way to sort of get on top and control possession, there's still a huge gap up to your number ten. Um, it was it was noticeable. There was a couple of times with the way it works on the red button with the one camera setup. It was noticeable a couple of times in the second half that when they did get ball to, the ball to Grant, he was literally the only Huddersfield Town shirt on camera for a few seconds, mm-hmm. and. They they've got to find a system that gets bodies forward. They've they've got to look at the personnel they've got. I think they could have a very good back three with Congolo on the left, Shindler in the middle, and Elthick on the right. But they, it's not you know three at the back is a system that you often play when things are good and you're attacking well and you're scoring lots of goals. Basically, three at the back is a system you often play when you're backing yourself because it does leave space down the sides that you have to control, but. I just feel, I mean, I I wouldn't sit here and start banging the drum and say Town need to play 4-4-2 or anything like that, but I just feel there needs to be some new thinking, some new instruction. Um, just give these players something else to think about other than like a huge long list of instructions. They still look overcoached to me. You've still got players who I think don't quite know exactly what they're supposed to be doing, whether they stick or twist. And I think simplifying it a bit give them something new to think about and give them a little bit of freedom within the game to to make mistakes if necessary it could go a long way the problem is at the moment you know every mistake is costing town and there's there's no freedom everybody you could see on wednesday noticeably i thought the the sort of angst on the pitch there was a lot of pointing there was a lot of trying to trying to rally each other but in the form of sort of almost shouting at each other from a foot away in the face and all that sort of thing and 
there needs he needs to find a way to relax these players a bit more. Um, mm. And I don't think just sort of going back and trying to capture something that led to town's greatest success is necessarily the path to do that because that yeah. brings a pressure from within itself. So I don't know if you go three at the back or I don't know if you try something else, to be honest with you. But I, yeah, I'm, I'm not positive that four two three one is is going to work the other side to this is four two three one one of the 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 big reasons that town used it so successfully was Aaron Moy he was capable of of playing the ball over distance so he could bring wingers into play he could get the number 10 into play he could even go direct to the striker if needed so now Aaron Moy and it's it's noticeable how both your wingers and Pritchard were having to come back into their own half to get the ball. And if you're, uh, you know, we could sit here and criticise Diakabi and Benza, Van La Parra, uh, you know, Pritchard when he's played on the wing. But the reality is, Town so far this season are struggling to get their wingers on the ball in areas where they can actually hurt teams. They yeah. they don't get the ball in the final third where they can take a man on and whip that cross in, and that's that's an issue. And it, I, I'm not making excuses for the for the forward line here, but the the problem is with that forward line is they they just nobody's getting them on the ball where they can hurt teams. I mean, when they did that little spell, you know, when the goal came in the second half, Town look a different team. But the problem is that sort of mentality and the fear kicks in and they just retreat further and further back and the problem with 4-2-3-1 is it's almost the perfect formation to retreat back you know and and mm. turn that four into a five and sometimes even a six at the back so it's it's difficult there are a lot of problems to solve you it, Ollie talked about the issue with Elphick and I, I couldn't agree more it was something I've I've spoken about before and I just you, you you know it genuinely town fans you could put Schindler on that side and then suddenly you're going to be going well why is Schindler not playing very well you know a central defender just wants to do one job and mm. uh, you know Elphick's having to do one and a half at the moment and it's not working and it is unbalancing the whole team the whole team's retreating the whole team's sitting too deep Grant can't get on the ball in the box, which is, is you know, I spoke on the last pod, Steve, about how well Town played when they had Jordan Rhodes, who was a player who couldn't do anything outside the box, but just came alive as soon as the ball was pinged in there and just got goals. They need to do that with Grant. They need to find ways to do that with Grant. Passing it into his feet 40 yards from goal is, is not where he wants to be. It's not where he's effective. So... Yeah, there's there's big issues tactically to solve there, big issues. And it's mm. you know, if it's not gonna be Hudson, then it needs to be somebody else who can find ways to motivate these players individually and fit them into a system that that does remove a little bit of the fear and gives them a bit of freedom. And I think it needs to be a manager who who as you've alluded to, who comes in and almost says like just forget everything because part of the yeah. issue with Hudson is that he was there under Wagner as a player and then as a coach and he was there under Siva as first team coach um, and it needs a manager who's going to come in and be like right forget everything you know um, tell me about what your strengths are show me what your strengths are and I'll come up with something around that but I don't want I don't want you doing what you've done before I want you 
follow here's three jobs for each of you to do what between one and three tasks for each of you to do i just want you doing that don't worry about anything else don't worry about instruction you've been given before just go out and do that and play and and it's that back to basics thing that mm. they need they just need to and this is the the sort of the, the dichotomy that sort of the the stools they find themselves between is the short and long term thing which is they if they can get a manager who can do that asap and get them to be sort of good enough in the short term and then take them on to the next level later on that would be ideal but i i feel like with the they might if they have to choose one or the other, then it has to be a manager who's going to get them good enough between now and well as soon as possible, uh, and not worry about what style they're going to be playing this time next year. That's just they don't have the luxury of worrying about that at the moment. No, I think we need. We definitely we definitely need an appointment that's going to bring us stability and very soon. Because the the problem is, you start looking at a situation where if the rot continues um, and we keep seeing the same mistakes and we keep conceding late goals, etc. Um, obviously, the fan base for, for the start is going to become even more disillusioned with what's going on. That's going to feed into to knocking the confidence of the players more, etc. But ultimately, we could end up with a situation where after 10 games, we're on five points or something like that. And we're basically almost yeah. dead and buried from that point. We, we're then needing to string together a stretch of like three wins to get ourselves you know um even remotely out of trouble which it doesn't seem like we're very close to doing at the moment uh to be honest so yeah we need an appointment that's going to get us points on the board as soon as possible and i think that's i think the way you put it Stephen, was was bang on we just need to be good enough in the short term uh, and then we can start to worry about some kind of long-term philosophy but i don't think it makes sense um to to go for a for an appointment where um you know, it's a manager who, for example, uh, is fixated with the four-three-three. I don't think it would make yeah. much sense to bring in somebody like that who comes in and says, "Right, we're going to play a four-three-three," and the players sort of look at each other as if to say, "Haven't we tried that already?" and it didn't work. Um, so I do think we need a manager who's who's kind of got a vision um, and they've got a, a a way that they want their teams to play. Ultimately, I I, I can see us going with an appointment that's kind of a, a manager who's going to keep balls out the back of the net first, and then uh, yeah. we're going to worry about the front end. So. That leads me to think it might be someone like a Karanka or or a Hewton, but I don't think we're going to get Hewton. I don't think he'd come near us at the moment. Um, but someone of that mould, um, because as I said, we need we need the stability. We need it now because you know there's, there's no easy games in the Championship, um, and with with every defeat and with every weekend that we go without a win, our situation becomes that little bit more perilous, and the pressure just keeps piling and piling. Um, and yeah, we just need that release valve at the moment because everything's inflating to a point where it's almost ready to burst. Um, but yeah, I mean, going back to the three-five-two, I think on paper it's possibly somehow both both the best fit for the squad that we have, but it also creates the most sort of issues because I think looking at it from the back, yeah, it it would be easy to say let's play, you know, Congolo, Schindler and Elphick in a back three, right? That's that sorted, that should work. Hadajinai can have a more natural position as a right wing back. You know, your left wing back is probably to be sorted, but you can maybe try Bockhorn or Jaden Brown in that position because if their positioning's been scrutinised from what we've seen so far, then they're going to have a little bit more leeway in that. And also they can both bomb up and down the left side as we've seen before already. Um, but then also, like, how do you pick a balanced midfield three based on what we have at the moment? 
Um, mm. I, I don't know. I don't know what it is because I, I see. Okay, you can sit hog at the base of that if you want. You know that's fine, but you need to make sure that he he basically covers the area that he's told to and doesn't drop any deeper and doesn't go on these lung busting runs as we kind of saw on Wednesday night out of nowhere, which I absolutely hate to see because Hogg is terrible on the ball. Like he's he's just as guilty as any for giving the ball away. Um and then you, you can play Chalaber in there as well, but again his role is more to be to be the anchor, to be the to be the base of base of the midfield. Um and then you're sort of looking at picking from Bakuna O'Brien, um you know, do you do you try and crowbar Pritchard into a into a midfield three in a three five two? I don't think personally that would work. Um, so then, do you go to a three four one two? And then you're looking at the front two and thinking, okay, you can start. Um, I mean, I'm assuming at this point that Munier is not part of the plans. Um, so you I start think he's in, going. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I yeah, I'd assume so. And I think Wednesday night was an indication of that. So okay, you start in. Um, Callum Grant and Fraser Campbell up top where's the option off the bench what happens if one of them gets injured we literally don't have a backup at the moment unless you're going to start playing wingers as strikers um, and then again you know, on the wingers you've got the problem of the fact that we have about five or six none of them being yeah. particularly good um, but they're all going to be pretty peed off about us playing a system yeah. where none of them can play and I think that's why they're not going to do it yeah. genuinely I, they, I don't think they will Purely for that reason, at least not under Hudson, unless a manager comes in and the new manager comes in and says, "No, they're all useless. There's no point playing any of them. I'm refusing." They wouldn't be I, far I think... wrong with that, to be fair. I mean, I'm yet <laughs> yeah. to see. This is the thing: is that I'm yet to see any of the wingers earn their spot. It doesn't feel like there's a there's a winger at the moment who is you know nailed on name on the team sheet. It's more like, oh, I suppose it'll probably be Rajivan and Benza. You know what I mean? It, it, there's no inspiration mm. from that. There's no excitement. You know, I think people who were assuming that uh, Van Lepara was going to turn into into Eden Hazard or Sadio Mane on on Wednesday night were very quickly proven wrong. Uh, he was picking <laughs> up the ball on the halfway line and going back to what we've seen, and that is him looking to offload the ball as quickly as possible or doing step-overs when he's 10 yards away from the fullback rather than having a run at them. So I think that kind of dispels that myth for the time being. And then, you know, on that right side, you're looking at Mbenza or Diakabe. Um Diakabe being a bit more direct, in my opinion. You know, we've seen Mbenza's willingness to kind of track back and, uh, and to play as more of a right midfielder, um, possibly because he's, he's paired with Flo on that side. Um, but I liked what I saw from Diakabe in, in spells when he came on. Thought he looked like he, he just wanted to have a go. Uh, he wanted to have a run, um, but yeah. again, we've got. He a... actually looked a lot more confident than he has done in previous games. Like mm. he, we were, I was a bit sarcastic about it on the live blog, but the first thing he did was come on, take it forward, and actually take on a shot. Which yeah. in his previous appearances, he shied away from that. So I think yeah. we've, we've he's obviously had that. a word. But I, I think it's worth making the point that wingers, like at all levels of football, are often a, a weather vane for the rest of the team. Yeah, because wingers are the. The players who are playing out wide, they are the players that you want to have the freedom to make mistakes because they're the players that are effectively loading the gun for the strikers, uh, you know, sort of 50-60% of the time. And you want them to have the freedom to take a man on. And if they lose the ball, so be it. Just take him on again next time. And, you know, without wishing to defend them sort of individually, but again, they don't get the ball in good positions and there is no freedom from anyone in that team. You know, every time you, you lose the ball, there's a groan, there's a point from Hogg, um, you know, and it's it's all 
it's all an issue. It's all you know every every single time. It's oh no, and that just slowly ebbs away at a winger's confidence. The problem is with all of these wingers is you've never seen them at the point where they've won a couple of games on the bounce. Town are actually playing well. And, you know, they do feel confident and they are running with the ball and they are getting it in good positions and they are getting more than, you know, three chances to put a decent cross in. And, it, I, you know, I like Diakabi. I think there's a player there. And Benzer, I think, is, is really raw, really raw. But, again, there could be a player there. I don't think Pritchard works as a winger. And Van Lepara, you know, I think the championship is his level and he's got a job to do. But... Again, I just I find it difficult just to sort of criticise them outright when it's a, it's I come back to the same thing like it's it's Mounier last year up front when he was getting a lot of criticism for not scoring but nobody was creating for him he wasn't getting any chances he wasn't getting on the ball in any sort of area where he he could score so it's I don't know it, it, again it just comes back to the same thing with Town they've just got to find a way to get a win and just improve the mood. We can sit here and talk about tactics and systems and individuals and managers and you know long-term goals and everything. The, the reality is for this club right now, they just have to find a win. And once they've found that win, they have to find another. That's that's all it comes down to. And it's not, it's not easy, but there are fixtures coming up which I would suggest Town can look at and try and target. So... Yeah, we'll see. But I, I'm sort of loath to just write the wingers off as as is because I do think, like I say, they they if you, if you got two or three wins under your belt, you may find at least one of them suddenly becomes a different player. Yeah, that's what we're um, hoping for. I mean, as you mentioned earlier as well, I don't think the wingers have been receiving it receiving the ball in positions where right. you know they've been able to have a. Um, an isolated run at their full back and they've been able to you know take the ball to the byline or they've been able to look for that early cut what it seems like at the moment is the wingers are getting the ball sort of 40 50 yards from goal they're having to try and carry it sort of 20 yards down the down the touch line and then just whipping a ball any way that they can towards a very isolated Carl and Grant and that is just not going to not going to work against to, to whip that ball in they've usually got to get past two midfielders and a full back yeah, and you know that's mm. the the best wingers in the world can't do that every single time, but the best wingers in the world get the chance to do that seven, eight, nine times in a game. When you have to do that only, and you only get the chance to do that maybe three times, it's incredibly tough. Incredibly tough, particularly when you've got young players who, you know, mentally, let's be honest, they are slightly more fragile at a younger age and. It's it's a tough situation. It's a tough situation. And the thing is, I reckon if you went and watched them genuinely, I reckon if you went and watched them in two or three training sessions, stood at the at the touchline, you would ju- you'd see completely different players. You know where the pressure's off and where they're enjoying being on the ball. And I I genuinely think you'd be absolutely amazed. What were they like in the summer, Steve? Dear Carby was all right, but. Doing what Dear Carby does, um, he would he would, you know, look good on the ball at times and do the thing we've seen him do several times this season, which is blaze past a couple of players. But then there's other times where he'll just literally just run the ball out for a throw in under no pressure. Um, <clears throat> the rest of them, Van Lepera had 
half a good game against Donny, but he was doing nothing until the moment he scored, um, which in fairness was a good goal, but he didn't really offer anything until then. And Benz had barely played at all because he was on international duty, so he had a late start. Um, Kachunga, we already know what he's about. He did nothing that you wouldn't expect him to do, and he's he's limited. Um, I mean, he always tries his heart out, and, and he's, you know, all of that stuff, but he is limited. Quite a nothing, uh, and Pr- and Pritchard was Pritchard was the other winger um, who I think was was the I know everyone criticises and 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 I know Dave you're not a fan of playing Pritchard on the wing but at least you you know you're going to get a certain level out of him um, and that he would do the work off the ball and try and get that high press going so. As you say, they're kind of a they're kind of a bellwether for the rest of the team. That they're the whenever you do. I mean, just to to tell the fans something I probably shouldn't say. Player ratings are a load of rubbish <laughs> because when you're writing player ratings, the very nature of it is that because you're trying to find something to say about every player and you're writing it down, you're barely watching the game. But but wingers notoriously, you, you either give them a four or you give them a seven or an eight because. It's just how they are. They're either in the game or they're not. And at the moment for town, they're just not. Um, so, I think Kachunga's an interesting case study in a way, though, because you go back to that 2016-17 promotion season, obviously we were in the championship, and he was literally our, well, he was one of our most, he was probably our most important forward player that season. You know, he scored 13 league goals, um, Wells had 10 um, but now, you know, now we're back at this level, the level that he dominated two, three years ago. He, he's just nowhere near. There's, there's no, there's not even a question of him getting into the starting lineup at the moment, and that that should be quite scary in terms of the effect that that two years of that kind of football can have on a player. You know, for me, he, him along with Tommy Smith should have been those kind of players where we're having a look, thinking, well, they've done it before. You know, we know that we can trust them. Um, but no, he's just not. He's not getting a sniff. How much of how much of his ability has been damaged by that? That's obviously that long term injury that he had, and then being out again shortly after coming back. Um, I don't know, and whether that's completely wrecked his confidence and his ability as a player. Not entirely sure, but I just I just find it very strange that there we have a player who has been so important to us in our recent history, and we've got a bunch of options that seem to. Seem to be offering nothing, and and he can't get a game. I think Kuchunga, though, I, I mentioned the sliding doors moment of the miss against Derby for, in the context of of town season so far, but that also feels like a bit of a sliding doors moment for him. I mean, the problem was when that chance came across to him. It, it, he's got a clear. He can do anything he wants at that point. And what he chooses, because his confidence is rock bottom, is to try and take the maker's name off the ball and just hit it as hard as he possibly can. And that's that's a player whose confidence is, you know, not at zero, but is is right down. And that's that's the problem with so many of Town's forward options. And the only way you can cure that is by getting them on the ball and giving them opportunities, because they will. The more they're on the ball. The, the better they'll be you know the more opportunities you create the more you'll score the more the confidence builds but that's I, I do think it's town's biggest problem at the moment is that the, the just however they play up front whether it's a two or three or four 
Um, however they play their number 10, whether it's slightly deeper or it's, like you say, Steve, virtually a second striker in the first half mm. on Wednesday, they've got to find ways to get them on on the ball and in areas that can hurt them. And if we don't know who the next manager is going to be, but if it's... if if Town went with Hudson, for instance, say they, they get a win against Reading and they get someone at something next week, it's uh, Luton next week, isn't it, I think? Yeah. yeah um, Reading, say, they, yeah. say they got four points from the next couple and they do want to give it to Hudson. My worry still remains, you know, that I spoke about in the last podcast, Steve, that going trying something that's been tried before, you know, is, is not what this team needs. But, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Speaking of next manager then, do you think that, Dave, that um, that Town would be attractive to a good manager? Or do you think a good manager would avoid this team with a barge pole? No, I, I think a good manager looks at this squad. There's 90 million quid's worth of talent there. They're on an absolute sort of zero point at the moment, so the only way is up you only have to affect them quite sort of minimally in the short term to make quite a big impact and I I genuinely think that you can look at this squad and you can look at how much raw talent there is and how much potential there is over actual sort of proven quality and you can spin that into a positive I I still think it's a very attractive job it's it comes with I know we're we're talking after a manager has been sacked after what is a relatively short space of time but it's still a job in the wider sense that comes with an idea of longevity if that's what the manager is after but also I I think that you've just been relegated from the Premier League you've still got a lot of talent in this squad there is a first 11 and a system that gets something out of this squad of players. There absolutely, definitely is. And a good manager will find it. Steve, you mentioned the name Yukanovic on the last pod. Mm. He would come in and he would make an immediate impact and he would get a tune out of individual players and out of a system. But he would be incredibly expensive. Shame he's on about Hewton, 500 grand a week in uh, Qatar, Qatar or whatever yeah. he is at the moment. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. It's not could, Chris Hewton could come in to this squad and they've already got a sound defensive base. I mean, for all the for all the trauma of the season so far, you've still only lost 2-1 to, to Fulham, who absolutely ruined Millwall the other night. Um, still only lost two two one to Derby. He'll be there or thereabouts at the end of the season. You know nobody's come an absolutely thumped town. So the defensive base is there. It just needs balancing and working on properly. And he'd be able to do that. It's it's still a decent job. It's still a good opportunity. And it's not it, when when Sunderland were going down. It was fairly obvious to everyone immediately that Sunderland had four anchors tied to them and it was nothing to do with the players or the manager it was it, the whole club was going backwards you know off the pitch and on the pitch town are nowhere near that point yet you know absolutely nowhere near that point and yeah it, it it's i would i i mentioned the Cowley brothers on the last podcast they would be an incredible get but 
it, it's it's time to either go with somebody who's really progressive but has a track record, or just somebody with a track record. You know. Um, yeah. But yeah, I I do think. What's your opinion, Steve? Do you think they could get a big big sort of a big bigger name? Shall we say? Uh, I think if they, I think. Oh man, it's a difficult question. I think. I agree with you that it would be an attractive prospect. I don't think they're going to get anyone who is who would even think for a second they could get a Premier League job, um, which to me might rule Chris Hewitt out of the equation. Because why would you come to try and turn around a team at the bottom of the table when mm. you could wait? You could either wait for the next Premier League job for a manager who's you know for a team that needs a steady pair of hands till the end of the season, or you wait to replace. If they get someone from the top end of the championship, you go and replace them instead. Um, but I agree that there's a lot there but uh, that, that could be attractive. But I think it either needs to be someone from League One or League Two, um, if, if they're in a job, or someone who's not in work at the moment, which does limit the field a little bit. I might be mistaken on that, though. The, the, the issue is is that we're, we're throwing these names around, but to be honest, we are as in the dark as anyone else at the moment because the, the, we've been told that the, the bookies list is pure speculation. It is entirely speculation because they've not started interviewing people for the job yet, uh, as far as we're aware we're recording on Friday. Um, cause, and that, I think, is down to the fact that David Webb started on Monday. He spent all day Monday just going around introduced himself to people and you know then Tuesday he went around having meetings with everyone talking about what are the issues at the club trying to get an idea of what his job is and I suspect that then he spent the last couple of days um, watching the team training and playing on Wednesday and then probably Thursday Friday he's been in meetings trying to come up with the shortlist for the manager which means that they're not going to be interviewing until next week uh, and then maybe looking at getting someone in ahead of the international break but that's that's speculation on my part I know Monday Tuesday I'm definitely right on um, we've had that confirmed but for the rest of the week uh, we're not sure and they'll probably be doing the interviews early next week yeah I, I, I pretty much agree with you too I, I do sort of still the, the cynic in me thinks there's nobody who's kind of an established name um, who's gonna take a look at us and think yeah i'm gonna have a, i'm gonna take a risk here i'm gonna go and try and get them out of the out of the gutter um so that for me also rules out chris Hewton. i think his stock's a little bit too high for us at the moment i think um if there's a there's a team you know in a, in a few weeks that thinks they should be challenging up up the top end of the uh of the championship and and aren't, and they pull the trigger and he sees something that's more of a project he's probably gonna probably going to go for that um but yeah i mean the, the market's interesting at the moment there's 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 no standout name basically there's no there's nobody who's odds on or anything there's been various favorites i mean since parkinson left bolton he's shot up now uh in the odds but i you know <laughs> i don't see that as realistic given he's already turned us down once um and you've got names in there like, take the job and then take it and then turn it down yeah exactly yeah turn around on the motorway again um but just like you know, the same price you could get Nigel Adkins, who is an interesting name, um, given you know the fact that he's actually out of a job at the moment and he's got links with a few of the figures at town at the moment. Um, at, at the same price for Adkins, you, you've got also Sebastian Hones, who's um, Bayern's under whatever it is, Bayern's second team coach. So it's like, would we really go down that route again? You know, would we? Would we 
really take a gamble on another young kind of unproven um, German manager who and hope that we you know we we get lucky in the same way that we did with Wagner and then all the other names in there that just don't really inspire but I again I don't I don't think we're going to be able to attract a big big name so that's why we should focus on making sure that it's um, it's a manager that's going to come in with a set style um, and they're going to be able to get the best out of this group of players both in the short term and then uh, d- develop us moving forward and get get us up the right end of the table um, but yeah I, I think the timeline that you you pointed out would probably be be about right I think we'll be talking to people next week and the international break seems to be the 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 time period that that things are gravitating towards now get someone in and give them two weeks to work with the squad um, ahead of what is a, a, a run of fixtures that we should be looking to, to target definitely and it Interestingly, the the new manager's first game could be a bit of a baptism of fire in that Sheffield Wednesday at home, who have had a decent start to the season. Um, so that'll be interesting to see if we could we could get a response against them. Um, but yeah, I suppose we shouldn't entirely rule out the the prospect of us um, of us beating Reading and and maybe even beating Luton, who have started to struggle after that exciting game against Middlesbrough to open the season. Um, if we were to beat both of those, then do you have to take a look at Hudson and say, okay, he's actually getting more out of this group of players now than somebody else would who'd who'd want to rip up the plans and and start again. Um, So I guess just watch this space, really. Um, I'm sure a name will will come out of... of, of Well, it might come out of nowhere. It might be one of the ones that's sort of shortlisted at the moment um, with the bookmakers and that kind of thing but sure a, a more concrete name will emerge within the next week um, in terms of who we're looking for and, and who's impressed in the interviews and that kind of thing so yeah I guess we'll see but um, there's nobody at the moment that, apart from of course Gennaro Gattuso he is absolutely the man to, <laughs> to take us into the top six um, and I genuinely... We should probably point out that you run a, an AC Milan fan site don't you Ali? Um, yeah, I think you know that mentioning that with a bit more context uh, would have been helpful because now I look incredibly biased. Um, perhaps mentioning that in the intro, people might have forgotten about it by now. But um, but yeah, I genuinely think I'm, I'm being deadly serious here for a second. I think I don't think we get him, but I think we should be reaching out to him. You know, I, it, there was he was linked with the Newcastle job when he when he left Milan. Um, I think that's probably about the level of job that he's going to get. Be it. Uh, I don't think I don't think it'll be in England, but it might be in France. Um, might be somewhere in Italy again. Who knows? But genuinely, just give him a call. I mean, he he took a very very young group of players, um, won, well guided them to fifth place, one point off the Champions League, uh, finishing behind teams that are a lot further ahead in their you know quote unquote project. Um, managed to unite group of players, and he had them. Had them playing a set system, which unfortunately was four three three, but he did show uh, ability to adapt um, and that kind of thing towards the end of the season, especially. Um, and ultimately, he's just a really, really lovable bloke. So yeah, Gattuso in for me. Yeah, it's an interesting idea. Uh, perhaps is is one to look at. Um, right, well, I think that's us for today. So thank you for joining us on Utabia. And uh, that goes to both the listeners and to the two of you, David and Ollie. A pleasure, as always, to have you on. And uh, yeah, we'll be back with you next week when hopefully Town have some more points on the board. But until next time, goodbye. Utubia, 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 Utubia.